Hey, what's going on? Thank you for tuning in to this episode of While We Were Working. It's the show that helps you become a better people leader wherever you are in the world. And speaking of being wherever you are in the world, we've got some special guests hanging out with me today. Virtually, we've got Bill Bannum and Chris Bjorling from the People and Performance Podcast. Now, I don't know if you if you know, but there are many, many, many shows out there in the HR space, in the recruitment space. Uh, but Bill and Chris, they rise to the top as some of the leaders that I know and look up to and I always look forward to their content because they produce a really, really awesome show and you'll see them elsewhere in the world. I'll give you really quick bios. Uh, Chris is the co-host of People and Performance Podcast, the show that dives into all things relating to raising performance in the working world around us. And uh, he's the president at Fidelo, a consulting and service firm specializing in improving human performance. Now, for over 30 years, uh, Chris has led Fidelo in creating unique talent management solutions. And this is through products and services that he and his team has created over the years. They've helped many organizations design, develop, and implement it, and integrate talent management processes and systems. So, of course, we're going to talk about his sweet spot uh, today on the show. And then Bill, uh, what can I say about Bill Bannum? Uh, good, good guy, good friend. We've collaborated in the past. Co-host of People and Performance Podcast, editor at the HR Gazette, host of the popular HR Chat Podcast, and organizer of events such as Disrupt HR London. He's worked with a lot of business tech and HR-focused brands in the UK and North America, including HR Review, Dalla Culture, HR Marketer, Sprig HR and Team Fitness Tool. So those are the bios. Gentlemen, we're going to talk about kind of current trends in the world of work. We'll keep our segment format where there's uh, while we were working. So let me ask you both and feel free to comment as as you wish. But, um, you know, the past few years, the world of work has undergone significant transformations uh, from where you sit in this whole work conversation. What's been some of the more impactful changes that have caught your attention? Uh, I'll start with Chris. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, we came out of COVID. If you're, anybody can recall that COVID thing we had a couple of years ago. What was that? Just... I, don't, I don't remember. Exactly, no. exactly. We, we tend to forget, but forget that, you know, it was there and it was real and it was kind of something. And, you know, it was a great change when we came out of it. People were, you know, well, a couple of things during COVID, HR was really a huge, huge um, contributor for at-home work, um, enabling people to do that by changing policies, enabling people, a variety of things. So HR stepped to the plate and really got a lot of credibility that way. But then coming out of it, you know, the workforce just kind of went weird and they either didn't want to work or they just wanted to retire and quit or whatever. And so we had that, you know, great exodus that was occurring for that period of time. Now, you know, people then started staying and now we're kind of pendulum swinging back and people are staying and some aren't as engaged as we want them to be and, and, you know, different things along those lines. But, you know, as we look at it, that's kind of the normal ebb and flow anyway of business and where we are. We, hopefully we don't have any more catastrophic, you know, pandemics that are affecting us that go along that way. But, but, you know, there are different things, the economy shifts, uh, there are 
you know, wars across the globe that changed the perspective of things and changed the way the business models run and where sourcing comes. So that impacts the way the workforce works. And so there are a lot of things that are out there. So as we're looking at these changes, we're looking at them and saying, okay, you know, from just external forces, we have things, but then internally we have opportunities from changes for just technology improvements, artificial intelligence coming on board. How do we incorporate that? You know, what are we looking to do? How is it going to affect our workforce? You know, and so as we're seeing these things the you know, really it's the, it's the external forces, it's the internal forces, and it's also still HR focusing forward, trying to become more of that strategic leader and, and partner at the table, which I think we got a good boot up when we when we went through the pandemic yeah yeah well said bill what about you what what stands out the most over these uh recent years oh well chris has taken all the best ones joey uh, <laughs> so <laughs> I, th- I think i think i'd have to reiterate some of the things he said the the, the, the pandemic and its aftermath aftermath meant um being authentic so I know it sounds weird to say that, but I, I feel like we all got license to be authentic uh, because of the pandemic, um, to, to show our vulnerability, um, to show when perhaps our mental health wasn't the best at times, to to work in our pajamas, you know. Um, and I'd like to think, even though some of the conversations that I, I hear on different podcasts from leaders suggest to the contrary, I, I'd like to think that some of those lessons around being authentic, being your true self, um, having having more real conversations, if you will, uh, will stay with us for, for, for the foreseeable future. Um, also, in terms of impactful changes, remote working and, and hybrid working. Um, I remember years ago sitting at, in, a, in a pub when I was back in, in vacation in the UK over from uh, Toronto, and uh, I was working for my laptop and, and a little old lady came over to me and said, what are you doing there? And I said, I'm doing my work. She said, what? you're doing work in a pub. I'm like, yeah, you can do work anywhere these days. She's like, no way. Um, and that's a real thing. And everybody gets yep. it now. Um, yep. I say labor market fluctuations as, as being very impactful, of course, over the last few years. Sure. We went from a, a, a stage where HR folks were having to have a terrible job of laying loads of people off to then scrambling uh, to, to hire as many people as possible. And now we're kind of in this in-between stage where there's more stability and people are staying in their jobs for longer and they, it's, it's going to be like that throughout 2024 we expect um ai of course chris i think mentioned ai and uh, how some people are terrified of it and other people are saying this is the best thing since sliced bread it's 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 taking away all the all the rubbish menial tasks and letting me be more creative and focus on other things um and then the other thing to mention i think is uh, five generations in the workplace um and uh, and particularly the the priorities of uh, gen y um Sorry, Gen Z is, I beg your pardon. I'm, I'm a Gen Y, I'm a millennial. Uh, Gen Z is, and how they're perhaps a little bit different to folks who've been in the workplace before. Yeah, yeah, all good things, Chris and Bill. And I think it, it speaks a lot to just the the um, transitional nature that we're in a workforce with both technology and uh, emotional intelligence. So all these factors are shuffling the deck as far as what we consider success, what we consider teamwork what we consider a winning culture and um I, you know i figured we were due for a change i didn't know that it would take a a pandemic to make that happen but you know companies are using what we've been dealt and uh pivoting into uh this new world of work that we're in and speaking of the new world of work technology plays a, a big part of that uh chris you mentioned ai uh bill you had mentioned um you know empathy and showing up as your true self 
I think a lot of that has to do with with technology in the sense that AI is helping us uh, work better or work more efficiently so that it leaves more time for us to have conversations with one another and, and not have to focus on the menial things. But how has the rapid advancement of technology uh, reshaped the workplace from your perspective uh, and maybe center around productivity and employee engagement? Bill, uh, you go first this time. Yeah, so um, somebody described uh, AI or examples such as chat GPT as uh, like using a calculator. And there's nothing wrong with using a calculator to, to get to the get to the uh, answers quicker, right? Um, so I, I appreciate that some people still have their reservations about AI and use words like, it's cheating. It's not cheating. It's helping us be more productive. It's allowing us to focus on, on things that the human brain can do and be more creative and and uh, and, and and contribute while uh, AI is doing perhaps more than the mundane tasks. Of course, it's scary, and of course, lots of people are losing jobs. I had a conversation in another pub. Uh, there's no theme here, I promise. Um, but I had a I had a conversation in another pub with a chap uh, about three or four months ago, and uh, he he was saying, "Bill, uh, lovely guy, I'd never met him before, uh, very open. Perhaps it's because he had one too many fights." Uh, he was saying, "Bill, um, I have been a Danish and Swedish." to English translator for the last 22 years. And uh, I made good money doing that. And in this year, this was 2023 still, my, my, my business has dried up. Uh, I, I'm, not, I'm not making any money anymore. It, it, it's, it's terrible. My, my, my role now is obsolete. Um, and, that's, and that's very sad to hear that. Um, there are ways, I think, to, uh, to reskill and to use these, these tools. Um, but there are certainly some jobs which are going to be gone or already are gone as a result of the onset of AI. And that's just a reality. Um, in terms of productivity and, and employee engagement, also there are lots of new ways to engage in, in, and measure in, uh, employees. And that's important. If you want to keep them happy, you want to keep them retained, you want to reward your, your um, highest performers and whatnot. Um, but with more folks working online and or having flexible hours, I do question how engaged employees can really be now i am a proponent of working online i i think i think technology has allowed us to have that wonderful flexibility and you can be working from wherever however are you really going to learn as much through osmosis as you would do you know sitting in an office listening to conversations picking up on office politics understanding un understanding things which are perhaps not in the employee manual i don't know yeah, I mean it's a it's a question. It's a question for sure, Chris. What do you what do you think? You know, it's a it's a great question. I'll I'll shy away from AI right now. In that, um, you know, we've done a lot of things real fast and, and put the pieces together. And this goes from you know in our world, the HRIS system, the information system, you know, and and things we ask people to do, especially with you know like a hybrid workforce or remote workforce or you know even just in building workforce. There are a lot of things that we put in place that are supposedly helping us. And I say supposedly because we've we've kind of rushed some things to tools sets into the workplace. So we we don't always look at how they integrate. We don't always look at how they've, uh, you know, create that employee experience of interacting with them. Not only the employee who sits at the, you know, first level of the organization and has to deal with the tools that we've given them. Um, and may, there may be multiples of tools, um, but then how the administrators administrate them and what they can do with them. Sometimes we've lost focus on that um, employee uh, experience side. 
we've lost that. So we're not smooth in our operations. We're not smooth in the way we, we communicate things. And it's, it looks kludgy to our, our workforce, which makes them kind of upset. And it's one of the things that there's been some recent surveys around that if we don't have a great employee experience, then you're probably going to start losing employees. You know, when we lose it, use these technologies. So technology comes along and it's a great opportunity to do and to be more productive. Uh, it's just got to be the right technology for your workforce, for your culture. And it's got to be, you know, fit into it properly and with some forethought. All right. Well, we've already kind of uh, blurred lines a bit on this next topic because we're just, you know, casually flowing. But I wanted to talk about remote work. Um, it's a new norm for many, although I'll say not the entire world because we know most workers are deskless. There's no way that you could, you know, remote in as a gas station attendant or a hotel concierge or uh, even a, um, you know, uh, a cleaner at the at the office. Uh, but but um, what are your thoughts on its long term viability and impact on organizational culture for those where it is a, a reality and possibility? Uh, Chris, you first. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's interesting. Towards the um, middle to end of being constrained by the pandemic, I, I hosted an online uh, forum and I had a two-star general who was over all of HR for the Army, the United States Army. And he said, I have 3,500 people. And he goes, if you told me, you know, how many months ago it was that I would be, they would not be in the office, I would tell you that is not the way we do business. He goes, we probably had 30 people out of those 3,500 that were remote or somewhere else. And now we have everybody and probably have 30 people on the ground. And he goes, you know, when this all ends, we're going to go back to a new model. It's going to be a mixed model. We're probably going to have not all 3,500 out, but we're going to have a portion of them doing some flex work because it's working for us. It's there. Um, so, you know, when you, we talk about the concept of remote work dynamics, you know, some organizations have embraced it and give that co-share time, you know, so you can still come in maybe two days of the week and then three days you're home or vice versa, uh, because some of the organizations are still feeling that there needs to be that social networking, that rubbing of shoulders and accountability that's there. And, you know, we've seen some organizations that said, hey, you got to come back to the office full time or you're gone. Um, so I think it's really going to be a mix across the spectrum going forward. I hope we never lose that fact that, you know, sometimes just doing remote work is, is beneficial to the individual, but also for the organization, um, and that they see the positives of it that, that come down the line. But, um, yeah, it's, it's really going to be, to be dependent upon the leadership and what's their, their view of how it's done. You know, some old style leaders are going to say, no, I've got to be in the office. We can't get work done without it. And then others are going to say, yeah, it's cool. You know, stay home three days, you know, work from there. As long as I see you're productive and as you're achieving goals and objectives that we set for you, life's good. And again, like you referenced, you know, the guy still has to be there or the, or the person still has to be there to pump the gas. If, if you live in Jersey or someplace where they still pump gas. <laughs> um, so uh, but, you know, but other places, you know, the remote opportunity is really a benefit for people. Yeah. And and who would have thought that uh, the military is a, a model of, uh, you know, creating that ideal work environment, right? Uh, times change, times change. Bill, what do you think uh, remote work dynamics for those where it is a reality and possibility? What's the, uh, the long-term vi- viability of it all? 
Well, you you prefaced this absolutely correctly by saying, you know, the vast majority of the workforce, actually, uh, this isn't an issue for them. And sometimes I, I, I get too focused on the corporate world because the, those are the folks I'm talking with on a regular basis. Um, so thank you for starting out there by saying, actually, most people, this isn't impacting their lives. That's very important to say that. Um, but for those that it is, uh, I think that it's good to have the option to, uh, to work remotely. I understand that many organizations want to have their people in person one or two days a week. I get that. Fair enough. If, if you're in a position where you can go into the office and have that camaraderie, get to know each other, build, 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 um, build a better sense of the team by being together in person, I'm all in favor of that. Heck, one of the things that I do, one of the hats that I wear is I, I, I organize in-person events, Jerry. So um, it would be it would be wrong of me to say that that's not important in terms of developing uh, relationships. Uh, Chris and I are, are co-organizers of Disrupt Buffalo happening April 11th. Be there will be a rectangle, by the way. Um, uh, so I'm, I'm all in favor of that. However, um, I think, you know, it's good to have the option to do both. Um, I think if you're more junior, and Chris touched upon this earlier on, if, if you're in a more junior role, it's perhaps more important in many ways to be in the office because you've got to be able to shadow people. Um, you, you've got to be able to learn, learn your craft, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, I think there is, um, even to the point of like mapping out the, the strategy of your, of your career growth, um, just thinking about when does it make sense for me to be under that apprenticeship model, so to speak, so that I can walk closely and observe someone. And then when am I in that seat where I am effectively a, you know, independent contributor who knows my lane, knows my book of business, and I can, I can just knock it out, uh, wherever I am in the world, um, at, at the pub, like Bill. Right. Uh, so, so it, it all, it all just depends. It all just depends. Um, but but next we'll we'll talk a little uh, peel that onion a bit uh, for a more broader question about work life balance and this will be our last question for this sort of uh, while we were working segment on workforce trends because I want to get to our, our next topic but with with the blurring lines between personal and professional life uh, especially in remote settings uh, how should companies address work life balance uh, Chris I know you're uh, running a company Bill you are running. A, a nice media operation. Um, what are your different perspectives on work-life balance? Is that the way we should be describing it at all? Is it balance? Is it integration? Is it unsustainable? What, what, do, what do you What do you all think, Bill? You first. Uh, so, I've got a couple of dogs. I've got a three-year-old boy. Um, that's what I'm going to say on this podcast. Actually, it's coming out quite soon, um, and uh, I, I'm, I'm I'm acutely aware of the importance to to have a to have a work life balance, Joey, um, because some things are way more important than work. Um, that said, uh, you got to get your work done as well. So as long as you can get your work done, great. Um, and part of this is hours. Okay, so in the old days when we all wore suits and brushed our hair properly and turned up at the office and such um they'd expect you to be there nine to five right monday to friday who cares anymore man like if you get the work done who cares so find a way that works for you do the hours that you need to do if you're an employee to get the work done enjoy your life have balance love your family get out there go for nature walks whatever whatever you're into um if you work for yourself chris and i both work for ourselves maybe you might want to put in some extra hours that's fine too but still make sure that you make time the important things in life because um on your 
on the epitaph on the on the gravestone it's not going to say this guy worked really hard is it it's going to say um loved and missed by by their family right right yeah yeah chris what do you think yeah you know I, i'm gonna stress my age here i've been working remotely technically since 1988 um, very few times have I been at an office location for more than maybe a year, year and a half, um, during that time period where I've been on a major account and, and doing some things. So, you know, I did it before it was cool. Um, I guess is the best way to phrase it. Um, but, um, for me, it took me still 20 some years before I realized, Hey, I can actually block out a block of time to do something with my family during the day if I need to. Uh, you know, it's some of those things that rationale, when you start looking at it and saying, what is that balance? And like Bill said, is, you know, if you're getting the job done, what's the difference? You know, I, I once told somebody that was work, that I was working with a major organization and he started in the four in the morning and went into four in the afternoon was his, his work day. And one time I saw him about one in the afternoon and he was just lost and I, and he was just like, oh, I'm just too tired. And I said, well, go home and sleep. He goes, what? He said, go home and sleep, you know? What? I, I'm supposed to be here till four. I said, no, you've already put in eight hours, first of all. And the second thing, <laughs> I said, second thing is that you're, you're not being productive. Why are you, why are you here if you're not being productive? You know, and it's, it's interesting. I, I'll share a personal story. My son um, works for a large organization and with a, within HR, I didn't ask him to join, do that, but he's there and he's, <laughs> he was going and he was, you know, at the corporate office areas and he was there and they, you know, Hey, come in. They, you know, first completely remote work, then come back. And so he was back and he's doing things, but he was still, he was in the central part of the country, the U S and he was supporting people on the East coast. So he was technically remote from the group that he supported. And they said to him, and this, I thought was a great management decision. They said, Hey, we notice when you go on vacation, you either go to Utah or New York, you know? So we want to keep you for the rest of your life here in this company. Why don't you look at seeing if you want to move to one of those locations, we're going to enable you to do all of your work remote. You're doing it remote anyway, right now. You're just here. And then we'll just bring you back when we want you back. And, um, you know, what a great work-life opportunity for him to do that. And so, you know, it's, it's for all of us to look at and for the organizations to think, you know, potentially differently. Like I don't have to see somebody and change their chair for eight hours, you know? that it's okay if they're there as long as as long at the end of the day the tasks we wanted them to do the the goals they want, needed to achieve were being completed and done and that's the important thing yeah yeah well said and uh that is the benefit of being remote uh to be able to to choose where you live and work um so this has been a really good conversation on the current trends of the world of work from three experts that see the field from different perspectives. And now we'll pivot a little bit into our consultant's corner. And consultant's corner is typically the views from the trenches of life as a consultant. This time it's going to be life as a HR podcaster. And the topic that we're going to cover today is uh, podcasts as a strategic learning tool for HR professionals. So thinking about all of those times that you need to learn things for a for a test or learn things because it's a new trend and it's happening in your workplace or right frankly you need the certification credits and you're trying to find opportunities to uh to, to recertify podcasting can be a great tool if you are able to download uh shows like people in performance shows like while we were working 
and build your library of the voices you listen to that help shape your your career. And so uh, I know that you all are, are not new new to the podcasting game. Uh, so uh, Chris, you first, how can HR pros utilize podcasts as a tool for continuous learning and staying up to date on industry trends? Well, there's a lot of great things. Um, one of the benefits that we have, Joey, like you, you've got us on today. You know, yesterday you had somebody else on. The day after you have somebody else on and you have different pieces and different people coming. The, you know, we specifically with people in performance keep it very short. It's, you know, we're 15 minutes, we're in, we're out. What we're trying to do is give an exposure to a, a leading thought, a leading concept, a leading piece of information or a different way to think about potentially the work you're doing and do it in a bite-sized fashion so you can hit it, think about it, take it forward. Will all the, will all of our episodes be of complete relevance to you? No, then that's okay. You know, the, the podcast world gives us these professionals and different thought leaders coming together in a brief fashion to just stress on something. And then usually there's a follow-up, you can follow up with them and, and see if there's more details you, you can glean from it. But it's a great way to maybe think outside the box to jumpstart that thinking as you sit at your desk and you're working in an HR space and you've got this problem and all of a sudden you're spending 15 minutes, 30 minutes and you're hearing something that resonates with you. How can I adapt that now into here? So it allows you to look away from the weeds or out of the weeds and look towards the horizon and maybe pick up some things that are completely valuable to you that are going to transform your career and maybe even your life. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree. I'd agree. Uh, Bill, what about you? How can HR pros use podcasts such as this one, such as uh, people in performance, such as your your other show, HR Chat? Um, how can you use it to uh, stay sharp in, in this ever-evolving industry? Well, I don't think that I can beat Chris's answer, which finished with, to improve your life. So <laughs> should I even try? Um, okay, I'll, I'll give it a go. Uh, firstly, it's a bit of context, okay? So... Um, Half of the half of the uh, episodes for the HR chat show, which which I host, Joey as a sponsored show. So I have certain conversations with marketing directors and HR tech companies and so on and so forth all the time. And, and one one point that I make is um, the the medium of a podcast is quite a unique one in in the sense that people are very very engaged who um who who do listen to them because it's not like when you receive an email, for example, an email newsletter, and you open that. That's a really easy thing to do to open an email and maybe even to click on it big deal um, or even maybe even to sign up for their for their for their, for their, um, for their newsletters and announcements and so on and so forth that's pretty easy to do to to actively choose to listen to a podcast so to to get to sift through to find something you're interested in um to to subscribe to to download it to, to press play and then to spend in, in our in our fabulous case with people in performance podcast around about 15 minutes uh, which is we think is a nice sweet spot um, or, or longer, that's a really active thing to do. So there's the context, okay? It's a, it's a great learning avenue for, for, for folks, I believe. So in terms of how HR people can get more out of podcasts, um, I, I, I'd, I'd suggest uh, binging is a good one. Honestly, if, you, if you're interested in something and you're finding bite-sized chunks of uh, information, uh, then they'd absolutely go for it. You know, just just run with it, fill your mind, use that one hour walk, that, that one hour run, whatever you're doing, when you've got an opportunity to listen to podcasts, um, to, to be active, to be an active learner. Um, uh, and, uh, and then beyond that, 
uh, there are some amazing resources out there that I'd recommend. Uh, so obviously, people in performance podcast would be one of them. Uh, while we're working, be another one. Uh, Sherm, uh, IAHR, they produce a lot of amazing content. Um, so be a little bit selective about what you listen to. That, that, that's a good tip too. Yep. So Bill, you're you're right. I, I appreciate your thoughts there, and uh, Chris, your comments about the the podcast learning tool is awesome. Chris, you'd mentioned something about uh, tuning in and maybe things not being relevant to you today, but I think that's actually the the benefit of a tool like a podcast when you don't feel like it's relevant is that <laughs> maybe it should be relevant, and so maybe you should listen through and power through because there could be some angle or some piece of content or some law that you had no idea uh, is impacting your day that that you should. Uh, and so the idea of, of sticking to it, even if it's not, you know, it's not always like Netflix where you're just picking the show you want because you know you want it, but it's, it's really a truly consuming a, a show because you trust the voices and what they curate for you. And, um, you know, it, it can be an important conversation for you. Um, Definitely. You, you know, both both learners are going to be out there. The ones that want to cherry pick and the ones that want to just binge and just go and, and run. So this yep. beauty of the podcast world is that you can do either based yep. upon your learning style. So. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about maybe some success stories. What are some of the best conversations you've enjoyed having on your podcast? And... Uh, why, why were they so successful? Why, why did you enjoy chatting with them? Uh, I'll, I'll run at this one first. So um, just yesterday, Joey, uh, we were uploading our People in Performance podcast episodes to YouTube because it's 2024 and we should have them on YouTube too. Um, and <laughs> Chris mentioned earlier on that the average episode for, for uh, People in Performance show is around 15 minutes, 12 to 15 minutes. Actually, Chris, I found one, which was about an hour that you and I did. What about that? Whoa, it was next uh, I remember one. that one. I, that still hurts me. That one still hurts me. Yes, <laughs> hour long one. Yep. Um, but other than the conversations that Chris and I have, when sometimes I take on the hat of interviewing him, he becomes the guest. Um, I did anticipate that you might ask this question, Joey. So I've got a few uh, pre-prepared um, guests that I would like to highlight. But first off, I yep. should just say that they're all being wonderful guests. Um, we've, we've been extremely lucky over the last few years to have a wonderful variety of super awesome human beings on the show. So we love you. We thank you. We appreciate you. All those, all those wonderful people who've been on the show. But if I were to nail down just a few folks who I think have um, uh, left an impact on me, they would include Shai David, who's co-founder, chairman and CEO of a, of a company based in Israel called Retrain.ai. Uh, and he spoke about how HR leaders can stay ahead of the curve and remain compliant with the use of their AI technologies. Uh, to go back to um, an earlier part of the conversation that we had today, this guy is an absolute genius. And I'm trying to find a way to get him involved with events that I'm up to in the UK, US and Canada. Um, Lauren Waters is uh, the former talent experience manager, America's at Zero, the accounting software. Um, I personally have a huge love for Lauren. She's facilitated a whole bunch of events um, for, for me and the HR cassette in, in downtown Toronto. Um, she moderated a panel at one of the events that I did um, in Toronto called the Agility Reimagined Summit. And uh, in the conversation we had with Lauren, um, she spoke about that session, which was called Building a Connected and Supportive Culture in the Future of Work. And it considered how we can ensure a connected and performance-orientated culture in a more tech-enabled 
a remote work environment and i just thought that was great content so that one stuck with me uh two others and i'll shut up and let, let chris tell you um a, a guy called gary Ware. Do, do you know gary have you, have you met gary yeah i've actually he, i've met gary i met gary at a conference we were at the uh dent conference in new mexico he's a he's a fun guy fun guy what what natural optimism what wonderful energy he has about him he's just he's the sort of person that you you, you, you want to hang out with and just sort of nick a little bit of his positive energy you know um <laughs> so uh for, for, for those listeners who are not familiar with gary uh he's a tedx speaker and he's the founder of a company called breakthrough play and yep. on on an episode with chris and i he spoke about the benefits to to the employee and also to the to the company performance as a whole when we can dedicate time to, to have fun and, and play together at work. What, what, what a what a marvelous, radical idea. Have, have a bit of play at work. Um, and the final one uh, that I'd mention in terms of guests would be um, uh, Dr. Philip Mead, who's the co-founder of a company called Gala Edge, and he's the associate director over uh, the spaceport integration and services at NASA Kennedy Space Center. Um, I'm a massive wow. sci-fi geek and science geek, um, so this one particularly appeals to me. And on that episode, he spoke about three habits of excellent leaders and how to hire and retain people with appetites to learn and to grow. Very cool. Very cool. What about you, Chris? What stood out over the years? Uh, you know, I have to, I, I have to take this route. Bill and I have talked about this before. I have seven children, Joey. I have seven kids, right? I can't say that one of them is my favorite. I can't do that because, okay. you know, at any given day, it may change depending on what they're doing for you. No, that's a joke, but, <laughs> uh, but it's there. I have been I have been overwhelmed with the talent that we've had on, and we've had individuals from large organizations. You know, uh, Bill's mentioned a couple of them. We've got some thought leaders that are globally known um, that have come on and shared some points with us. We've got some people that are a little more obscure, and you know, being a small company for thirty some years, you know, you get benefits from both sides of, the, of those equations: large companies, little companies. And there's the beauty of what we do is. And the prep work that Bill puts into it, because he's our editor and, and really our producer for all the, a lot of this, is that, and I'm just along for the ride, is that, um, you know, we ask good questions. And in those questions, we pull out some some nuggets of wisdom. And I, I have not walked away from any of our sessions thinking, I, I, what a waste of time. I have walked through and said, wow, even after 30 some years of HR leadership and experience, that's a cool thought. Yep. You know, or I strongly support that. Yay. Somebody thinks like me, um, along those lines. So to, to, to identify one or two is tough. I think the best thing that we do, one of the best things we do too, at the end is we ask them, what has a mentor in your life given you, uh, you know, along the way to, to make you who you are today. And some of those pieces are some of the best heartfelt materials that are there and so for people in the hr profession that are that are looking to build those nuggets of wisdom that are in those in that quick session that may have nothing to do with the topic they came on to really are foundational for people who are building and moving in the industry and to me those are the pieces that just stand out time and time again so I can't, I'm not going to name one because I can't do that with my kids. I can't do that with these. And I'm so grateful for them all to be there. Like Bill said, we thank you all. And we thank the ones that we're going to be asking in the future. It's cool. And we love it. So thanks for all this time. Yep. I, I was anticipating Chris saying you, Joey, you know, I, I was leaving that one to Chris. You know, <laughs> I thought about that. 
<laughs> when I when I come on, I'll be the the guest that uh, that changes his mind, uh, and I'll be I'll be his favorite for sure. There you go. I will take that. <laughs> Well, I think this is a good place to end the episode. Uh, Bill and Chris, it's been great chatting with you both. And uh, to our community, make sure you're going over and subscribing to the People in Performance Pod and following Chris and Bill on LinkedIn so that you can stay tapped into their their pursuits. Uh, and really and truly look at uh, podcasts as a way to grow your professional and personal development. Because if we learn anything from last year, there will be things on your bingo card that uh, you did not expect. And what I mean by that is there are going to be challenges and circumstances that come your way that maybe you weren't prepared for or didn't expect coming. And so uh, you can hear how other groups are working through them uh, on shows like While We Were Working and on People Performance. So that's your mission. Go subscribe to their pod, stay tuned into ours, and Chris and Bill, thanks for being on the show. Hope you all have a great week. Thanks, Thank Joey. you, Joe. You too.